This is the Dennis Miller Option. Your source of opinions, stories, and laughs from comedian and inactivist Dennis Miller and his guy Friday, Christian Blatt. What's up, Hiroshi? Let's light this candle. Ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Miller. Hey, folks, welcome to the Dennis Miller. Uh, what's the show called now? The Dennis Miller Option. Still still the option. We've opted to keep it the option. Oh, really? I thought we did. they wanted me to change it or something, so I told them to change it to Dennis Miller's podcast. I had not been uh, made aware of that. I, I liked keeping it the Dennis Miller option because uh, people have subscribed to the Dennis Miller option and it'll just sort of migrate over to the, the new show. Boy, this has been tough uh, segueing over, but I, <laughs> I was told there was possible problems with that. And uh, what, I, pick a new name, they said. So I said, OK, call it Dennis Miller's podcast. But now it's still Dennis Miller's option. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, whatever it's called, people are fucking diving off this broadcast <laughs> right now as I spend two minutes talking about this bullshit. Hey, folks, how are you? Welcome to whatever this thing's called now. They'll figure it out. I'm Dennis Miller, Christian uh, Blatt in the sidecar. We're, uh, where are we at today? We're at a studio uh, because they've ordered equipment. I think the equipment is was mentioned during Oliver North's testimony that we have to send money to the Sandinistas and uh, uh, they'll send equipment through Fawn Hall or something. But we, uh, uh, I would like to invoke my Fifth Amendment privilege and I can neither confirm nor deny that there was any equipment ordered, Senator. Porn names for regular movies. E.T. Fawn Hall. E.T. Fawn Hall. <laughs> We're going to be joined by Brian Regan. Yes, sir. The best comedian in the world right now. And uh, I've got him up there in the uh, gold. Yeah, Maniscalco is as hot as can be. He's got a new special, which I uh, have not watched yet or watched part of. But Maniscalco or uh, Regan? Scalco. Oh, yeah. And Brian has a new uh, TV show on yeah. Netflix, but I think his special is later in the year. And Seinfeld, obviously, is the evergreen. And I think we'll have to talk to Brian, but I think Jerry's uh, really done him a square here. Not that, listen, Brian Regan's, in my way of thinking, the best comedian in the world right now. So uh, he didn't need help. But I, I heard an interesting story that Jerry had thrown him the possibility to help uh, a quarter of a century ago. And uh, Brian passed on it and said he'd rather make it on his own, which tells you a lot about Brian. But now he's, uh, you know, after he had done so much on his own, he ran into Jerry again. And I think Jerry pulled in a marker at Netflix and uh, it'll just show you that, uh, one, Jerry's a good cat. And two, um, there's an intricate uh, baffle chamber one has to navigate out there to get big because Brian, Brian's been this good for the last 20 years. And uh, now he's as uh, hot as all get out, to make up a phrase. Um, so we're going to have Brian. Uh, Reagan on. And then Christian, oddly enough, this is a vanity booking for you. You say we're having Brian Singer on? What is this about? Well, uh, apparently he's gotten a little bit of a bad rap lately. And, uh, you know, I'm tight with the Sings. Uh, used to be. Used to be tight with the Sings. And uh, You just couldn't take the Superman remake. It was, that was a brutal thing for you that you had to bail out. Yeah. Right. Out, you know, X-Men, I was on board. And then, uh, you know, Kevin Spacey is Lex Luthor. I just, uh, I just really? So those two were in the casting room together, probably. Uh, they were in a lot of rooms together. But I'm just saying, I think that the <laughs> singer and... Uh, <laughs> I'm teasing about Singer. He's not going to be on. I was just reading another headline, though, that now a 13, 15, 17-year-old. Yes. So he only, his odd predilections only involve odd-numbered ages. He, <laughs> yes, all not, of them illegal. <laughs> that's that's what his lawyer is putting forward. That, well, it's not like we went after 14, 16, and 18-year-olds. Yeah, come on. 13, 15, 17. <laughs> Numbers... Uh, I, I think it's the eventual uh, Nuremberg uh, defense or something uh, that somebody ordered him to do it. But uh, Regan will be here. Singer will not be here. Uh, Says you. <laughs> I've given him the hotline. If Brian Singer wants to call in, he gets to call in. Now, what is the story with this? Uh, and I mean, I'm, I'm acting non-deliberately naive here. I've read some of it, but I haven't read all of it. I guess there was a uh, women's march each year. And I read some of the quotes from the women's march. Now, you, you get some, I believe the women's march is where uh, I first saw um, 
the uh, Judd girl do her E.E. E. Cummings poem, which was... I believe that was Ashley Judd, yes. Absolutely stunning. One of the best, along with Ted Danson getting out of the, the Hanson cabin, blackface for Friars, one of my two favorite showbiz moments ever, <laughs> the Ashley Judd, um, Le Mort not there, and... Uh, she, uh, they had that woman's march again. So you can always check on that the day after you get some good quotes. I guess this theme was this year there was a lot of uh, caging of Trump's children. Talk about World War Three breaking out. That's when uh, the, the the day they can you imagine the day they come and they say we want to put Ivanka in prison. And I I assume Trump's going to let that happen. This is when they bring out that what's the twenty one thousand pound bomb? What's it called again? There's some crazy big is bomb. That the Moab? That's, yeah, mother, mother, of, all bombs, bombs, mother yeah. of all bombs. And you can't even say it's 21,000. They accuse you of fat shaming the bomb. I like the Moad because I like the fact that it's 21,000 pounds. And I think they can drop it on you from 60,000 feet or something, maybe 45, 60, somewhere, somewhere up there, Concord uh, Airstream level. And uh, as if that the concussive power of a 21,000 pound object deadfalling from 60,000 feet isn't enough, they've put a propeller on the back of it. <laughs> Just to get it down there a little, a little quicker in case, uh, in case Kim Jong-un was going to dip into his fiddle faddle and they got the bomb there a nanosecond earlier and kept him from taking that first bite. I always remember years ago, I think there was a plane that crashed into a hotel, like, a, uh, you know, just a 12-story Cincinnati hotel and a plane somehow crashed in. And I always wondered if you were in... Imagine being in bed and a plane comes into the room. I mean, for a second, when you hear the noise, do you think it's room service? Finally. <laughs> like, just for a millisecond, you yeah. think, geez, that room service, two hours ago. What is, oh, that must be <laughs> plane in the room. So that's similar to the Moab coming down a little quicker than you expect. You know, some guys like to glide out from under the Moab at the last second and be cool. You know, very, I'm the man, I'm the top, I'm the who. And they smooth out of the way. But with that propeller, it gets it down there just a nanosecond more quickly and throws your whole day off. But um, so I know at the Mormons March, they were talking about that. And uh, I guess Israel's uh, nobody, nobody really believes in Israel's plight anymore. So in uh, the wake of that, I guess to go down to these uh, um, marches and pre present a counterbalance, some kids from a high school, as I gather, called Covington High School. Correct. Reminds me of the great West Covington for the Philadelphia Phillies. Thank you very much. Go check mid-60s. Um, Bobby Wine, Jimmy Bunning, Chris Short, and Gene Mock mismanaging them into uh, early Graham. But uh, Covington goes down, and I think that they painted them originally like they used to paint the um, the legitimate nuts. Who was who were those nuts who would show up and scream? Yeah, the Owensboro Westboro, Westboro Baptist, yeah. Baptist Church. Yes. Yeah. So I guess they were painting them as sort of uh, like that because there was some conflagration between a man who said he was a Vietnam vet and is Brian here? I believe uh, Mr. Regan is well, with I'll us. Hold off on this story. I don't want to get Brian in the middle of this fracas. <laughs> it's best for commerce. Cultural fracas. Well, folks, this is the best comedian on the face of the earth right now and uh, has been for more than a few years now. I can't tell you how happy I am to see him standing astride it right now with all his venues and that. And he'll be too demure to talk about Quan, but I bet you he's printing money like uh, the counterfeiter at the, at the beginning of Brannigan when Duke Wayne blows the door off the hinges. But um, he's a great guy on top of it all. Couldn't be happy for him. The great Brian Regan. Brian, how are you, brother? I'm doing great, Dennis. How are you? Uh, it's so nice to see you killing it like this. Your kids must be so proud, man. Where they? They're mid-teens now, aren't they, Brian? Yeah, well, actually, uh, my son is now 19, and my daughter is 15, and uh, yeah, they're proud of their dad, and that means the world to me. And, I know. Uh, I know what that was like for you as well, or still is, with your kids. It's, yeah. it's, it's a special feather in your cap when your kids go, hey, my dad is uh, pretty cool. <laughs> Plus, uh, when I, the last time I visited Brian backstage, and it's been a few years, the boy was much younger 
But you could tell they had a sweet uh, vibe then and, and the daughter. And uh, now to see this, well, I just, uh, I couldn't be uh, happier. Now, Bri, I, I, you know, obviously a chops to me, are as good as they get. And uh, well, what role did uh, Jerry play, though? And did Jerry make some proffer like a quarter century ago? I'm hearing this story secondhand, but tell me how Seinfeld's involved in this. Well, Seinfeld, he, he and I have known each other for a long time. I knew him back in uh, New York City before he had his uh, TV show. In fact, I remember... Uh, sitting in a bar in Queens. I used to live in Sunnyside, Queens, and uh, Seinfeld was about to be on The Tonight Show, but the volume was down on the TV in the bar. And I remember asking the bartender, hey, can you turn the volume up? Jerry Seinfeld is about to do some stand-up. And I remember the bartender saying, who's Jerry Seinfeld? Wow. And I remember thinking, uh, the world isn't quite right yet. You know, <laughs> <laughs> last time you'll hear those words range that that's, that's like watching Hollywood squares and hearing, I'll go to Greta Garbo to block. Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, and then he got his TV show and obviously shot into superstardom land. And, um, anyway, I had, the luxury of being able to open for him uh, a handful of times over the years. And, uh, you know, the fact that he liked my comedy meant the world to me, just like the fact that you like my comedy means the world to me. And um, so a couple years ago, he called me up and said that he had seen my live special. I did a live special for Comedy Central. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had some nice things to say about it. And he said, uh, Hey, I think you should have a TV show. <laughs> and I, it's hard to explain to people how monumental a phone call that it is to have Jerry Seinfeld, who had the most successful sitcom right. maybe in the history of television, telling me <laughs> I should have a TV show. So I was like just honored and thrilled in the whole thing. And, um, so he came out to Las Vegas where I live. He was performing here, and he and I hooked up during the day in his place. And he said, yeah, I'd, I'd like to um, spearhead getting you a show. Great. He said, and and I, I, I said, wow, that, that's just marvelous. And he said, I don't have an idea yet. And I had an idea. And I said, well, I have uh, an idea if you'd like to hear it. And he's like, oh, okay. And something tells me he likes coffee. <laughs> So, yeah. so I said, can we order some coffee from room service? And then they bring the coffee up, and I, I just pitched the show to him in about four minutes, just a tight little spiral. And he said, uh, all right, I like it. Let's do it. And um, I actually got emotional, you know I mean? Like, because that doesn't happen in TV. You know what I mean? Uh, usually people say, yeah, well, we'll I'll talk with my people. We'll circle, circle back, and then things take nine years, you know? And when he said, hey, I like this, let's do it, I felt like there was a 90% chance this thing was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> Still took two hours to get the room service coffee, but the show. <laughs> I had the show before I got the coffee. <laughs> that doesn't happen often in life, big man. <laughs> And the show is uh, the show is stand up in a way with Brian Regan, yeah. and it's now available on Netflix. And uh, I see it because I never miss anything you do. But lay the format out for the folks, Brian. Well, it's a hybrid. It's uh, me doing my older stand up routines, um, and then I wanted some interesting way to be able to do the older bits because I'm honored when I go out on the road. You know, in the encores, people still shout out the older stuff. So I'm like. Sure. And they still seem to like this. So I thought, how can I repackage it, but not have it just be me doing older bits? So I thought, if I segue into new sketches, mm -hmm. old bits that segue into new sketches, maybe that could be an interesting format. And um, I also wanted to have some curveballs in there. I wanted to do a Q&A with the audience. I used to love watching the old Carol Burnett show. Right. I'm dating myself. When she used to talk to the audience at the end of the show. I remember as a kid going, wow, there's an audience there. You know, like it changed my perspective on the show. So I wanted that included. And I needed a, like a straight man. So we came up with this role of a floor producer 
played by Beth Triffin. She's fantastic. And she just gives me somebody that I can bounce off to segue from stand-up into sketch. Right. It, it plays to all your strengths, man, because you're an amiable cat. You're quick as a whip. The old sketches, segueing into the new stuff. I mean, let's face facts. Uh, at this point, donut ladies like Freebird. People just, uh, you know, they want to, <laughs> they, they want to light the uh, the Bic lighter and have you do the greatest hits. So it's a perfect way. I, I love the format of the show, and I I think it's killing. But like I said, I could uh, watch you. Uh, well, you would never read the phone book, but you know what I'm saying. I I, I never miss anything you do because it's. I don't know, Brian. I saw you one night, not at the Wiltern. There's another theater that's further down, uh, uh, past the La Brea Tar Pit, somewhere down there on Wilshire. I, I, I can't remember the name of the theater. I think it's but... the Saban Theater now. Oh, okay. Um, I, I, it had a different name, probably. Or maybe it was the Wiltern. I'm getting confused, but I went to see you one night. I took my kids, and uh, that's the hardest I've ever laughed at a show. I mean, that's a really pure thing. That's what I like about stand-up, but I, I, th I think I sense it from you. I know I sense it from Jerry. At some point, it is the least contrived of the major theatrical art forms because you got to run a minute out there where they'll look gaga at you because they've seen you on TV, and they, and then it turns into Spartacus Gladiator Camp. you got to kill, and when you do kill, it's as pure as it gets, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the... I mean, people describe it as honesty, but I or laughter, but I also describe it as honesty. I, I think when people laughing, when people are laughing, it's an honest reaction. You're connecting, you know, you're communicating, you're connecting, and it's soul to soul. And um, you know, people will fake applaud, right. people will fake all kinds of things, but people don't fake laugh. <laughs> and when you get a room full of people laughing, you know that you're being accepted and that you're communicating, you know, through this comedic prism. And I'm sounding very scientific here, but I love the, I love the craft of comedy and to be able to do it for a living and to be able to have, to be able to connect with people is just, uh, it's just marvelous. Yeah, certainly you and Jerry share that because Seinfeld to this day, folks, I think views uh, the preeminent sitcom of all time as a sort of departure from his main path, which is stand-up. I know it sounds funny, but I think uh, in some way the sitcom was the day job for Jerry, and he really gets off on crafting its syllable counts, pruning. He's like Miyagi with a bonsai bush, you know. He'll sit there and trim a joke till it's just perfect. And when I right. watch you stylistically, I think, geez, this is so... Uh, well done. I, uh, does it come to you in a? Uh, listen, I sound like a civilian here, but I, I does it come to you in a burst, or does the main idea come, and then there's the augmentation? Well, what, what, tell me what you can about your process. Well, everybody works differently. You know, I mean, I've heard people say that uh, you should sit down at a blank piece of paper and just force yourself to write, and I've tried that, and when I sit at a blank piece of paper. It remains a blank piece of paper. Right. Yeah. I, nothing comes out of me. I just, that just does not work for me at all. As a matter of fact, uh, you told me once you sat down at a legal pad and after an hour, the blue lines on the yellow paper had disappeared. That's how <laughs> eventually it was actually blank. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I make, I make lined paper go blank. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what do you like to do? Just get it up on stage and just then start adding tinsel to it? Or what's uh, what's the plan? The original idea just comes from, you know, just going through life the way I would normally go through life. You know, it's like uh, I'll see something or I'll hear something or I'll experience something. And then there's a little eureka moment where you go, hey, that might be a bit. And um, then once I have the idea, then I can throw some words at it. You know what I mean? It's like, right okay, I've got the idea, now let me craft a little beginning, middle, and an end, and then I get it to a point where I can try it on stage, and then I tape every show. Mm -hmm. And uh, then, you know, if I do something differently or tighter or better, then I'll listen to that bit and go, ah, okay, I took that word out, or I, I added this adjective or something. And, you know, I love the the moving words around. You know, yeah. it's always amazing to me when somebody outside of comedy will hear a bit and then they'll see me a year later and go, oh, yeah, I remember you did that bit a year ago. It's the same joke. And I'm thinking, that ain't even close to the same joke. Right. It's, it's been through so much. 
you know, even it might sound the same to you, but like I made it, you know, 25% better over the last year. You know, it's like I, I worked on it, you know, so I guess that's what we're working towards is you don't want people to notice that. Yeah. You just want them to laugh. You know? I always see those car commercials where they try to show you behind the scenes on how they make a car. And I'm always fascinated by the clay car where they take out the, <laughs> the side and they start shaving it. I always look at the uh, jokes like that sort of where, you, you you know, you have the core idea. Sure. But then it really does come down to the uh, the tweaks. And I know Jerry, once again, I, I hate to quote, you know, Seinfeld's like the Professor Zayas of comedy or something. <laughs> but uh, he would always say that uh, all comedians do is they sit near the faucet and most people watch the faucet drip and it goes right down the drain and we catch it in the cupped hands and start analyzing it. And I can just... <laughs> I can just see you checking into a hotel and I'm saying, do you have any magnets? <laughs> and that, the, the you know, I hadn't thought of that one until I heard you do it. And then I thought that is so brilliant because it comes from the basic, just the woman saying, do you have any magnets? Which is such an odd question when you're checking into a hotel. And to go from that to a valise of, uh, I can see all the coloratura going in, a valise of horseshoe-shaped magnets, and I'm the Midwest. <laughs> ah, that joke gives me uh, goosebumps. It's so funny. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, and it comes from, like you say, it comes from life. You know what I mean? It's just a, a moment happens, and you go, hey, that's a little odd. Maybe I can magnify that comedically. Right. We're talking to the great Brian Regan for upcoming tour dates. Go to brianregan.com slash tour dates. And uh, you were talking about a time in New York where I'm a little surprised it didn't cross your path because I knew Jerry before Seinfeld Chronicles, too. I remember the first few were called. Uh, and uh, I remember Jimmy Brogan got the first sitcom. It was called Touched by an Angel. And I'm, I'm wondering if, were you there when the great Ronnie Shakes was there? Because he used to give me goosebumps, too, the way he would write a joke. Did you know Ronnie? Yeah, I, I didn't know him, um, but I was able to watch him perform a little bit. He was like one of the guys I could catch a rising star when I first moved to New York. Me too. You know, when I couldn't even get stage time yet, but I was just hanging out in the back watching the likes of him. Oh yeah, he was fantastic. He had that great tweak. It always gives me goosebumps when people, you know, I guess if you follow IndyCar racing, you think of Danny Sullivan, 360 and in the backstretch, gathering it and still winning it. You know, you have certain moments like that with comedians and they're sometimes not as pronounced as you would think you are. He used to do that great joke about uh, he went to Minibat Day at Yankee Stadium and he's I wish they'd expand the giveaways and uh, I, I wish they'd have something called Pope's Hat Day. And <laughs> he said where a guy's in the on-deck circle kneeling with the weighted bat and he looks up at the crowd and there's 60,000 people wearing Pope's hats. And that, was, that, all, that part of the joke was great, but then he had the most deft line at the end of it where he would say, and you know, the guy looks up and he thinks, wow, I hope it's Pope's hat day. And that used to, <laughs> that, instead of saying it must be Pope's hat day, which is a pretty good take, but to take it the next one and wrench the chamois and come up with, I hope it's Pope's, I hope it makes me smile and laugh to this day how brilliant that was. So what, what comedians do you watch? Who, uh, obviously, you and Jerry go way back, but who else do you watch who uh, you admire greatly? Um, there are some comedians that I used to watch um, before I even thought about being a comedian that I used to enjoy. Uh, are you familiar with Kelly Monteith? Oh, well, you're kidding me. You tell your story and I'll tell mine after. Kelly Monty is somebody that I used to watch, you know, when I first was interested in comedy just as a fan, mm -hmm. you know, before thinking I could do it, but I used to just like watching stand-ups, and he was one of those guys that would do the Merv Griffin show and Mike Douglas and The Tonight Show, and I don't think he ever became huge as a stand-up, but I always enjoyed watching him. He would come out on stage, and he was so likable. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I'm like, I like this guy. He's been on stage for five seconds, and I like him. And he had an interesting, quirky kind of comedy, and he had an interesting delivery. And he was somebody that I used to really enjoy. I mean, obviously, there's the big names out there, but I, I like, you know, um, spotlighting people like that. Yeah. You know, it's like somebody that I used to watch that uh, 
you know, helped me think, yeah, maybe one day I could do something like that. Well, I'm back in Pittsburgh. I'm going to a place called Point Park College. They own a place called the Pittsburgh Playhouse out in Oakland. You might have even been out there somewhere along the road. Uh, They're having a comedian, Kelly Monteith. I go out. I I, I, I don't know, quite know what to do with my life at this point. I'm a little lost. And um, I go out and watch him. And I'm thinking, wow, same thing. Same vibe right, right away. I'm in the front row likable, nice, easygoing, killing it that night. Really, you know, stepped on the gas and killed it. Uh, afterwards, uh, this is not me. I ask if I can uh, go backstage to my friend who works there and, and say hi to him. I go backstage and I say, uh, Mr. Monty, you know, that shuts down immediately. Kelly, and I, now this is how cool this guy is. I don't even know I want to be a comedian. I go, I just have to tell you how much I admire what you do out there and how fun that looks. I don't even know what I want to say. To, I don't even know if I want to be one, but I just wanted to thank you for the great evening. Took 15 minutes with me. Can you believe that? He says, come on in, sit down. I, I left there so jazzed. I thought this is what I want to be. I want to be like that cat. So that's so funny that you would bring him up first. <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. And then I, and then the next lesson I learned when I go to New York is from the opposite end of the spectrum uh, a dear friend, I love Belzer, but uh, Kelly was so sweet and Belzer was so Anton LaVey. He was like the dark prince, man. He didn't even care. But I remember if you, if you were at Catchback then, you must remember watching Bells just vivisect a crowd oh, yeah. at 1030 at night. He, he so little cared if they liked him. He just wanted to be dashing and kill it. And even against their will, they were laughing. And I thought, boy, I've got it all bracketed here between Kelly Monteith and Belzer. Those were two big early influences. What'd you make of the Bells back then? Loved them too. Loved them too. And, and for the same reasons, like I don't want all comedy to come from the same perspective. I liked Kelly Monteith's nice guy, quirky approach, but I also like, you know, like you say, the dark edge, you know, Bells are, uh, <laughs> you know, coming off from, from the other side of the track. It's way you know? over the other side. So in, so indifferent to their their liking him. That used to make, make me laugh so hard. Hey, people laugh on those side of the tracks, too. Exactly, till they get hit by the chain. We're talking to uh, Brian Regan. He's on Twitter, at Brian Regan Comic. His website is brianregan.com. His TV show on Netflix right now, I highly encourage it. It's a nice Bess, all his skills, every arrow in the quiver is being shown here. Stand Up and Away with Brian Regan, now available on Netflix. And he's got a special coming up there later in the year. But I, I also have to say, I see some of these dates, brother, and I can tell uh, that you're moving into Chappelle Hot, where you're starting to work overseas. And now tell me, if, I guess when you go to London, you'll have to change the joke about seeing uh, semi-tractor trailers going opposite ways, both carrying logs to lorries. You'll have to change the word to, uh, I saw two lorries out in Knightbridge or something like that. But uh, what, tell me about the upcoming date in England, man. You jazzed? Of course. I've never performed over there. My daughter, she wanted to go to London. So I'm bringing her and her friend uh, over to London. And I was like, well, I'm going anyway. Let me see about doing a show over there. So we're, you know, we were able to get a theater and uh, I'm performing at the Leicester, Le- Leicester Square Playhouse. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. But, um, yeah, I-, I have no idea, you know, how it's going to go. Like, I, you know, because comedy is a very weird thing, you know. People tap in or they don't. You know what I mean? Um, I know not all British comedy works over here or people have different senses about it. So I don't know if it's going to work or not, but I'm certainly looking forward to going over and getting up to the plate and taking a big swing. Well, l- listen, don't get into your head about it because I've been on a couple TV shows shows there over the years. I never worked a list. It, it is called Lester, I believe. Yeah, they they look for Americans. Don't say Leicester over there. You end up gang <laughs> end up gang raped in an alley with no money. <laughs> Uh, but I, I have gone on TV shows where I literally was backstage thinking, well, what's this audience going to be like? Do I go out and say something and it's just it's kind of the same. You're going to kill there. I can just tell you, it, it, like if you go over there doing jokes about, hey, let's talk about the uh, AM traffic copter pilot in Baltimore. No, you're going to be killed. Right. But uh, with uh, your humor, you're going to bring the house down. And I can't wait for your uh, daughter just to see. 
Uh, London, that must be so exciting for a young girl. And taking her friend. Look at Bry. He's leading Fred McMurray's life. And then on the side, he's one of the uh, the all-time greats. That's what makes me so happy about it. Now, you also going to the Kennedy Center? Yeah, I'm doing uh, in Washington, D.C., doing that. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm doing that uh, in a few months. I got it in front of me. Let me say, brother, you, you can't be expected to do all this. Uh we got uh, the Kennedy Center on uh, March 21st and March 22nd. And that's the uh, yeah. that's the Jack Kennedy Center, folks, not the Ted Kennedy Center. <laughs> Ted, Ted Kennedy Center in the Potomac. I'm here all week. <laughs> one of the uh, one of the best guys in the world. Let me just tell you behind the scenes, folks. I asked Brian once years ago. I just saw him and it just blew me away. My son laughed so hard. I asked him to go to my kid's high school and give us a, a speech or do a little comedy. Can you imagine what a nice man that he showed up in Ojai, California and performed for these kids and they still talk about it this day. What a lovely, humble, normal, mix in hysterically. 12 out of 10, as good as it gets. The best comic right now. And a great guy, Brian Regan. I couldn't be happier for you, baby. Wow, Dennis, man, I don't, you're 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 giving me goosebumps. You're a very very kind man. You've always been incredibly supportive of me, and um, those words mean the world to me. So thank you very much. All right, let's consummate soon. <laughs> ah! yeah. I'll talk at you, Brian. All right, man. Thanks. Bye, bye. The big man. He's great. Yeah, sweetest guy. So does that mean I should one day ask you to perform at my kid's high school, or uh, is just He's just too good. Uh, listen, <laughs> in the world we live, if you don't homeschool your kid, I'm not coming to his high school. <laughs> Fair enough. You better be. You better be. Can you come to my kid's school with me in your living room? <laughs> I've actually done living room gigs. Really? Bro. Some two rich guys, man, over the course of my life. One in South Carolina. Uh, parties. And I guess some guys have just money to burn, and, you know, they hit the price. Jeez, I'm there. I don't have to do comedy. I'll do that Marcus Lamona sweep-up thing <laughs> if the price is right. And one in St. Louis somewhere where literally uh, it's like you're in the Brady Bunch's living room and you jump up in front of the fireplace. Hey, folks, <laughs> it's just so bizarre. But then you think to yourself, well, it's a half an hour for X, and X is, you know, just stupefying. These guys are billionaires. And uh, you think, well, geez, I don't care if they beat me up and put me in the chimney. <laughs> I mean, if they if they hit the dollar, you know, it's worth it. You just have to change your mode into less uh, I'm here to kill and more. All right. It's a little weird. Let's just be comfortable <laughs> with each other. But it's so funny to look down. This feels like Playboy After Dark or something where you look down and there are people four feet away in a chair looking up at you. But Brian, uh, geez, I, I wish I was in London at that moment. I'd love to go see him because he's going to bring bring the house down. And Have you uh, performed overseas much? Yeah, no, you? I'm a pretty specific American taste. Like I said, I've been on a couple TV shows in London. I've done a couple private corporate things there, but they were American companies over in London. Right. Uh, I don't, you know, I that's why I was referring to the Baltimore traffic cop driver <laughs> in a, a weird way, but. Uh, a lot of my references are really specific to America and that. And uh, I don't know. I don't I don't think it travels all that well. Although I see guys now like uh, I, I, I met with uh, my old agent, Steve Levine, recently over at ICM. And he books Chappelle and John Stewart and Chris. And they're all doing like Amsterdam and stuff. Stockholm. Wow. And I so there must be. The Internet must be bringing everybody together into some basic understanding of English or some basic awareness of American culture. Because, you know, John's a pretty specific American taste, too. Yeah. But uh, I guess Chappelle can go anywhere in the world. Uh, but uh, he told me they were drawing like ten to 12,000 people in wow. Stockholm. And I guess when you perform in Amsterdam, you just do your act, but like at half the normal time to make sure you don't lose anybody. Hmm. I'm trying to see if I can agree to that willingly or that puts me in harm's way as far as some sort of politically incorrect statement. Well, yeah, I, you're I, right. I was just talking about the weed. <laughs> I wasn't saying the people. <laughs> so uh, have you watched a Bry show on Netflix? I have not seen this one. I saw the special from, I think it was from last year, maybe even the year before, but uh, I haven't seen the special. And putting the notes together, I was like, oh, I have to check this out. Christ, he wipes me out. Honest to God, folks. And it's so cool. If he comes to your town, 
although you're not going to get in now unless you get in early because I think you must be selling out. It literally is one of the few shows in the world where you could take the uh, 80-year-old grandparent, the uh, 55-year-old kid, the, uh, you know, 35-year-old son or daughter, and uh, maybe if they had kids early, their kid, you could take them all, and all four of them would laugh, and nobody would blush. It's it's a pretty amazing transaction. You know, with me, there are times I've walked out of gigs and, there's a kid in the front row, and I just think, oh, jeez. So right up front, I, <laughs> you know, I'll look down and say, no, listen, I, you seem like nice people, and I just want, I'm going to say fuck tonight, and I don't want to blow your <laughs> yeah. mind to the kids, so I can arrange to have your money given back if you just want to blow. Now, most of them, they stay. And, you know, and then it's not like I say fuck every second word, but, well, you know, if you pop out four fucks during a show, you don't want to hurt the parents with their kids, but... I can see that that doesn't worry them as much anymore as it does like the amazing, trust me, the work. That's one thing that's changed. It used to be all about swearing and now it's about just inhumane to base, you know, you know how weird the internet <laughs> yeah. is. Like the least of it is the swearing thing. It seems almost quaint now when somebody's like, I'd like to watch you, but you swear. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember going to see uh, the Deadpool movie a few years ago, and there was like a seven-year-old in front of me with his with his parents. But I'm like, I, I don't think they understand this movie. They didn't leave during the movie, so I guess they knew what they were in for. I don't so. even know the movie. It's Brian it's, Reynolds is like an anti-hero Yeah, or super violent, very funny, but uh, it, it's a hard R superhero movie. It's like not, you know, it, it's not even close to uh, family-friendly. That's yet. so sweet. I remember taking my kid to... Uh this will show you how quickly it changes, because I thought it had changed quickly back then when I made the mistake of taking my two young son into Mortal Kombat. And I guess now that's like Swiss Family Robinson compared to something like Deadpool, right? Yeah, that's probably on the Disney Channel at this point. Right. Yeah. And I just remember I had to cover it quickly. I said to the kid, uh, we got to go. Said, what do you mean? It just started. I said... Uh, they deliberately misspelled combat. I, I can't have that. <laughs> well, you are a stickler for that. You don't want combat with a K. <laughs> At this point in your educational process, I can't allow you to think that it might be all right to spell combat. Who did that? Uh, somebody did a great joke about, uh, and I, all I can remember is the club. Isn't that funny? I was somewhere in Baltimore trying material at. Isn't that weird? Baltimore's turning up a lot today. But uh, Somebody did a great joke, the kid who was opening for me, about uh, he doesn't trust roadside diners where they deliberately misspelled things. <laughs> like, he said, I'm not going into the country kitchen where the K is the C in country because I don't want to get E. coli spelled with a K instead of a C. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Isn't that a nice joke? I love that. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty sweet. Um, so, Christian, what else is up in the world? What do we got to do? Now, we banged the drum for, uh, oh, speaking of banging the drum, before Brian called, we were talking about that thing. I see the uh, Indian cat. Are you allowed to call him Indian? I don't even know what the, what do they want to be called? I on? believe that uh, here in the United States, we call those Native Americans. All right. The Indian cat showed up at a church ceremony with the drum. No, I, I remember I used to uh, live in uh, the upper west side of Manhattan, 86th. There was a movie theater and there used to be a cat out there, a, a Jamaican guy who would play kettle drum till like two in the morning. And I do remember going down to my bathrobe once and saying, I've got a child. <laughs> and he looked at me. He gave me the J- Jamaican equivalent of "fuck you," which is no problem, man. <laughs> you know, is, is there anything more condescending than the third time you've driven past a house on your way in from Kingston to the hotel? You go past the same lime green house three times. And you go, "Hey, where are we going?" That's the third time I've seen that. And they, go, no problem, man. And you might as well just like kick you out. So. uh the, the drum was uh, disconcerting. Now I see that uh, the cat has shown up in a church. All I'm saying is this. Uh, I don't think we, I, we know to this day. Now, maybe I'll go home and read and the story will be codified. But Jesus, people jump to quick judgment now. It's the same stuff that you used to try to swallow uh, before it was out of your mouth. Now with the Internet, not only is it out of your head, it's empirically down and it's there 
for good. I, I think some people want these kids harmed, right? Or I mean, Pete, there are people that you know. Didn't Trevor who, Noah say if you see this kid, punch him? Uh, I think uh, you. There were a few of those. There are a few uh, comedians. Well, see, who said he it. has to remember, and I don't even dislike that guy. I, I watch him uh, clips of him sometimes. I think, okay, this is a pretty measured cat. And I read some nice reviews of his book, and I think to jump in after John. So, so I don't have an axe to grind with Trevor Noah, but you got to realize that. We live in an oddly literalist time where you, you really can't afford to go out and say if somebody sees this kid, punch him. Because there's too many morons on the other end of that, you know? And uh, I like I said, there was more than a few. And all, once you say something like that, first off, you should give yourself 24 hours before you say anything. And then once you do, if it's wrong, you just can't take it down. You have to go back and patch it up a little. And if I could start, I'd, I would trust the future of this country more if I would start hearing people say, listen, I was pissed off. I said this. I've taken it down. In addition to that, I want to say it's caused me to reflect a little. I acted stupidly, impulsively. I'm going to look into things more before I do it in the future. We'd be edging the right way, but you don't see any of that. No, I would. you would still get like Kathy Griffin's a good example of somebody who hasn't taken it back. But just to give credit to someone who's done pretty much exactly what you said is Jamie Lee Curtis, who said uh, I that was a snap judgment. And she admitted that she really didn't know the situation. Oh, she's apologized for it. Well, she's a sweetheart. I mean, I know Jamie Lee and I haven't seen her in years, but I used to see her up in Sun Valley Lawn. She's. Well, the Jamie Lee I've spent time with, that doesn't surprise me. Good for her. And I know I don't agree with her politically. We, sure. we know that. But I always thought she was a fine woman. So for her to do that, that's all I'm saying. Folks, we're all fuck-ups. Let's face facts. I mean, I jump to conclusions, too. But I do try to hold myself to some uh, 24-hour thing, uh, you know, just so you can, I don't know, read a little more. See what happened. Just don't jump the buzz right away. And look at this coming across. Uh, Pepperidge Farm has just announced they're coming out with a new batch of something called Alyssa Milano's, where there's no filling whatsoever. <laughs> See what I did there? I, I love what you did there. Empty inside. <laughs> Actually, she's sweet enough. Haven't I met her one show on my radio show? Yeah, she. Uh, she was sweet. She was. She was very sweet. Yeah, she's. Uh, but she's, she she pulls the trigger pretty quickly. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a different Alyssa Milano right now. But yeah, she and. Christian Slater were two people that would be on every fall on the radio show pitching their new show, which was always a different show than the one year before. They were always trying to find a new show that stuck. Yeah. Well, hey, how funny that, that uh, I caught that. <laughs> <laughs> now they're both, they're free and I'm the carrier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else is up in the world, Christian? And tell me where I'm going. I know I'm going out with Mark Stein. And yeah, that's, absolutely. Uh, February 21st and 2nd? Yeah. So uh, with Mark Stein, uh, that's uh, Friday, February 22nd uh, in Reading, Pennsylvania, the 23rd in Syracuse, Rochester, New York, March 1st, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, March 2nd. And you've got some solo dates coming up before that. February 9th in Baton Rouge, the 15th of February in Waukegan, Illinois, the 16th of February in Florence, Indiana. Uh, too many, no. So we'll stick with those ones. Uh, and we'll go pick it up the next time we do a podcast on the other ones. Because yeah. uh, I don't know about you, when I listen to radio or podcasts and somebody gets up past the sixth or seventh thing, I just think, what a right, fucking lab experiment. <laughs> Let's sell these Stein ones. Yes. Uh, Wilkes-Barre. I don't know what's happening there. Wilkes-Barre. I, I think uh, Mark even isn't coming. And he's... <laughs> Is by any chance is the Duke basketball team going to be in Wilkes-Barre that day doing like a sign? I don't quite know what's that basketball and clinic. And and by the way, somebody told me it's Wilkes-Barre. So is that true? What I was told is that uh, people who live there call it Wilkes-Barre. People right. who leave call it Wilkes-Barre for some reason. But uh, the locals, I I knew someone that had family from there, and they always said Wilkes-Barre. Yeah, I'm going to say Barry because that's yeah. what the people like. And when you said bar, the only time I've ever heard that pronounced like that was uh, Davy Crockett killing a, a, a bar when he was, when he was three. three. <laughs> I don't believe that. No, um, me either. I think he was two. See, I went the other way. But uh, killing a bear when you're age three, I don't know. Geez, it's just uh, 
Um, maybe a small bear, but then that gets into its own grim thing. Yeah. A cub killing a cub. And do you uh, set I, a trap for it? I or? think cub on cub violence is one of the forbidden things on the island of Dr. Moreau, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Have you ever seen the uh, the island of Dr. Moreau with Val and Brando? Yes, yes. That's, uh, oh, I just can't wait till my son's old enough to watch that movie. Jeez, there is a bonding experiment. That's that's the new Harry and Tonto. <laughs> Uh, what else is up in the world? Well, uh, we have a few minutes here, and uh, uh, a topic that uh, I would like to bring up that uh, people haven't had the chance to hear because uh, we don't have a recording of it. I wanted to get your thoughts that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio has uh, stopped pl- flying private, I think at the uh, admonition of his uh, young lady friend, and uh, he's begun flying commercial, which... I bring up for the sake of the audience because he is so outspoken on climate change and global warming issues, but has always flown privately, which has been a knock on him. Well, listen, I like that kid from afar. I think that work in Gilbert Grape still stuns. And then when you go over and you honcho a huge commerce machine like Titanic, I thought he did a great job. I love his work to this day. Um, I think he seems like a, a nice guy. I think he seems like a good guy. He's had a big blind spot here, and out of the mouths of babes, literally babes youth-wise and babes looking, I assume he's <laughs> dating another babe, right? Yes, she's 21. And she's the one who illuminated him? That's my understanding from the article I read, yes. Well, that is funny to me that it would be her, but <laughs> the, the simple fact is, um, if I believed that climate change was real, man-made climate change was real, and I, I say this with all my heart, and this is somebody who flies privately every time I can, and I pay for it. But whenever I can, I try to fly privately. Uh, I've never felt guilty about that because I don't think my carbon footprint plays. A, I, I honestly don't. I could change that to curry favor with the certain people who, you know, want you to think that. I just don't believe it. And uh, he did. And I don't know how you get on a private jet or if you believe that. that. That really is odd to me. It shows me I don't know him all that well. There's, there's a real blind spot there. It's some sort of a, an odd uh, climatological noblesse oblige or something where you, you absolve yourself of something that seems reprehensible to me. And it all comes down to the belief. If you don't believe it, I think... Private air travel's the way to go. It's the one thing that turned Warren Buffett's head as far as creature comforts. Anytime you go to an airport and you're in that line and you're in that bathroom. And by the way, uh, when did the first class bathroom just become open? (laughs) The only people don't go there are the people in first class. There's just a line. And I always think... Uh, well, where is, didn't they used to have a little gate or something in between there's first a, and coach? There's a little curtain, but I think uh, people yeah. felt marginalized and, by that yeah, curtain. Yeah, I agree. That's what it's come down to. And you just think, geez, by the time I get into the first class bathroom, I'm sorry if I pay an extra grand for a ticket and would like to take a whiz in a, you know, a, a more of a pristine zone. You get into the bathroom, it's just so uh, fucked up. And you think, geez, what, what, I, what am I paying the grand for? And then you realize it's for the bigger seat. But uh it's it, it's just uh, so I understand the gochdup that is commercial air travel, and therefore I I admire people who are able to and willing to pay the money to fly first class or or fly privately. But if you really believe that's causing the planet to be in danger, I don't know how you do it. Doesn't it creep you out a little? All it takes is that that moment where you go, do you believe in it or don't believe in it? And if they say no, no, I believe wholeheartedly into it. As a matter of fact, I work solely for these causes. And you go, well, what are you doing on this plane then? That's sociopathic. So uh, I don't quite know what to make of Leo. Admire his work. Seems like a nice enough guy. Seems to uh, lead the life, the exact life he wants to lead. But that is a big blind spot, man. I remember I told you I had Bobby Kennedy Jr. walk away from me at a Christmas party one time where I just said, uh, I just asked him about that. And I said, how do, how do you rationalize that? And he said, that's so naive. And, you know, he just walked away. And I thought, well, I guess... At some point, if you hold up the truth card, it's tough to accept it. But if anybody really took a pause and then their sanctum sanctorum said, yeah, that's right, I can't. And I, I don't know, it seems funny to me that Leo's come to it through the uh, the, the Stargate SKG of a 21-year-old <laughs> model. But he came to it, and we'll see, uh, we'll see when the... 
who gets the ethics and the breakup, the inevitable breakup that's coming. Well, I would say that uh, that's our time. We good? Yes, we are. How's uh, your good. babies good? Oh my gosh, they're great. They're adorable, and uh, I, I love them both most of the time. No, I tease. Hey, I tease the kids. Listen, I love they them. don't listen to this. They're big Mar- Mark Marin fans. <laughs> ah, they're more Rogan guys. <laughs> All right. I missed Rogan on uh, UFC over the weekend. Did you watch it? I didn't see that. No. Oh, Dillashaw is such a badass. I thought for sure he was going to rock that cat, but the, the 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 square cat came out and just lit him up to the point where Dillashaw kind of you know, he wasn't very hip afterwards when he started to say, I congratulate him, but he didn't win. And you're thinking, I don't know, brother. I think I just saw you get your ass kicked. So it was a great bout, but it was the first one on ESPN Plus. So they've moved it off pay-per-view. Oh, and you know how they all of a sudden Stephen A. Smith's there yeah. and it gets the whole full bore. And Joe Rogan was not there. And you realize what an integral part of UFC. Do you, do you know Rogan's work on UFC? Uh, the only time I've ever seen it, I've seen Rogan involved. I don't watch a lot, great. but uh, yeah. Great. One of the best announcers, one of the best color announcers on the planet earth in his sport like johnny mack in tennis uh you know the tony romo now i you know i love he's romo great. and yeah. you know he, i loved him when he's not calling all the plays but i guess he had a good day the <laughs> other day and rogan on ufc probably the uh, state-of-the-art broadcasters right now all right folks it's uh we'll find out what the name is by the next time when yeah. do we do one christian well, well what are we doing tell me about this so we're gonna thing. have we work uh, for westwood one yes and uh if people want to listen they can listen at the westwood one podcasts.com or the westwood one podcast app uh, or subscribe on iTunes, just like uh, before. And you're saying it's still called The Option. As far as uh, everything I'm told, it's still called The Dennis Miller Option. Mm. Our friend Farad Muhammad uh, recut the uh, production to, uh, say, Westwood One. Oh, that's nice. And we'll still do this show on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I mean, well, that's when it'll post. So uh, just the same as it always was. Same as it ever was. Same <laughs> as it ever was. Have you seen that lately? Not in a long time. but oh, uh, please. Yeah, I should definitely check please, that Please, I out. watched it around a year ago. Oh. And as good as you remember it, best concert film ever. The great David Byrne. I can't think of a better one. Catch you next time, folks. Thanks for listening to The Dennis Miller Option, exclusively on Westwood One. Tune in to new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday on the Westwood One app, westwoodone.com, and on Apple Podcasts. And remember to rate, review, and share. Until next time, that's the show, and we are out of here. Hey, this is Opie, and on the Opie Radio Podcast, you'll hear funny and real conversations with all sorts of people. Oh my God, a legend's walking into the room. Are you kidding me? Maury Povich is just walking in. Who's been in the media business longer, you or me? (laughs) The Opie Radio Podcast. It's free and easy to get. Look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.